And we are back at Big 12 Media Days with a very special conversation right now. This guy is responsible for some of the most high-powered offenses in Big 12 history. I used to affectionately refer to him as Big 12 Phil Collins, and I actually get to again for at least one more year, the one more year that the Longhorns are in the Big 12. It is University of Houston head football coach Dana Holgerson. Dana, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, so let's make this one worth it. This is the, first, this is the last one. Uh, let's, uh, let's make this one worth it, right? Did you expect to find your way back into the Big 12 when you took the U of H job a few years ago? I did, actually. Um, you know, I've been keeping my eye on Houston for a long time. You know, I was here, here in 2008, 2009, you know, with Case Keenum. And, you know, we were truly a group of five program at that point. Um, you know, Conference USA, uh, you know, it felt group of five. Um, but I loved Houston. I've been recruiting it since 2000. Uh, you know, when I reluctantly left to go to Oklahoma State in 2010 and then uh, West Virginia for, for eight years, um, you know, uh, in the stint that I had there as head coach, which was an awesome eight years, um, I had, I'd continuously kept coming back to Houston to keep my eye on to see what was going on around there. And it just kept getting better and better. I don't think there's a, a co- any coincidence with Dr. Renu Couture getting the, the chancellor and presidentship uh, in 2008. And so what she's done for, you know, going on 15 years now is nothing short of remarkable at the University of Houston. I just, I looked at it every year. It kept getting better every year. Things kept getting, you know, kept building. Um, Enrollment kept going up. Uh, Academics kept improving. So the the list goes on and on and on about where the University of Houston was in 2008 and 2009 uh, compared to where it is now, you know. So I knew they were close. I was part of those conversations at, at West Virginia when uh, realignment was happening, um, when it happened with us back in 2011, uh, and then when it was about to happen again in 2016 and, and the, the presidents voted against it, uh, we were a part of those conversations. And at that point, West Virginia was supporting Houston uh, and BYU to get into the league. So I knew, I knew they were close, you know, uh, no guarantees whatsoever, but um, – that the administration made the commitment to me back four years ago that we're going to be treated like a power five school. So budgets, uh, salaries, contracts, all that stuff was, was, was where we needed it to be uh, at that point. And I think acting like we were there uh, was a big part in getting there. Considering that I believe it was entering your year two when you guys did uh, enter the Big 12 in Morgantown, is there anything that you can take from that experience and apply it with your time at Houston right now as you guys enter another new conference? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I've been asked this a lot. You know, I, I do think my experience is going to help. Now, once we kick it off, I don't think it's going to help. I mean, you know, that just because <laughs> yeah. I've been there, done that, doesn't mean that it's going to give us any advantage in-game. You know, we're going to be coaching against people that have been in the Big 12 for, you know, as long or longer than I have been. So where, where, where I think it helped was, was the prep. You know, you go back and look at – we had two months to prep at, at West Virginia. I mean, we, we literally got in in October. Uh, half my recruiting class was, was recruited to play in the Big East. Uh, so I had to kind of do some finagling on that recruiting class. But really only half of the recruiting class was signed prior – to playing Big 12 teams, hmm. half of one recruiting class, all right? And back then, your recruiting class could only be 25. Uh, you know, here, you know, a lot of the meet we've had two years. We've had two full recruiting cycles, and we've had two years to prep for this, okay? So salaries have been up. Uh, 
personnel has has increased. Uh, we signed 33 kids last year, and we signed 42 kids this year. So 70 of the 85 were recruited to play into the Big 12. Uh, so we're much more equipped right now um, as an institution to be able to compete. Um, you know, it took us two, three years at West Virginia to be able to really truly compete to have a winning record. So, I, I you know, does that mean we're going to win now? I mean, I, I hope so. I think we're going to be able to compete, and I think we're going to be able to hold our own um, because we've had two years of lead in time. We're in a very interesting place with college sports in general, but more specifically college football with the change in NIL rules, which I think most of us can agree is a good thing that uh, some of these young men are able to better capitalize on their name, image, and likeness uh, as they are playing a sport that hopefully they love as well. But uh, there are a lot of pitfalls with that. And unfortunately, a lot of people most responsible for, uh, for putting safeguards or guardrails or whatever the term you want to use in place to ensure it doesn't turn into complete chaos have failed us in the process. And unfortunately, your program uh, lost a guy late in the offseason with Alton McCaskill going from Houston to Deion Sanders in Colorado. Do you see an obvious solution here in, in a way to maybe get some of this insanity to calm down to where you guys aren't just having to recruit dudes to come to your school. You're having to stay on that recruitment 24-7 once they set foot on campus, too. Yeah, uh, it, you know, I, I support one-time transfer. Um, I support NIL. Uh, I wish they wouldn't have came in at the same time. Because yeah. when they came in at the same time, that's what caused chaos. Um, you know, it's called enforcement. You know, I, I remember back six years ago at the – AFCA convention, we had a head coaches meeting. NCA was there. NCA said one time transfers coming, and I remember Urban Meyer standing up and said, "You mean to tell me that a kid can go? He can leave and be eligible?" He goes, "He goes, that that's just not going to work, you know." And they said, "But we're going to beef up on 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 tampering. We're not going to let people tamper." <laughs> yeah. And since then, I think the NCAA has kind of went silent, you know, and Urban, Urban did say, he goes, if that happens, I'm getting out of this profession, which he did. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I just, yeah, it's, it's called enforcement. I mean, you got to enforce it. You know, it, I've seen cheating. I've seen tampering. I've never seen anything like I see right now, you know, and so it ain't going away. You got to deal with it the best that you possibly can. Uh, yeah, you got to keep recruiting your kids, but that's just where we're at right now, you know. So try to build the the best uh, environment that you can, the best healthy environment that you can. Give your kids advantages, treat them the right way. Uh, hopefully, they like where they're at and they stay. Well, let's be honest. The biggest problem with the enforcement part of that equation is that it's the NCAA's responsibility to enforce, and to enforce, you have to have authority. And Dana, as we know, you've led uh, programs uh, right now and in the past to have authority. You have to have respect, and the NCAA doesn't have respect from just about anybody in the sport right now. Do you think the future of college football includes the NCAA in any way, shape, or form? Is there does there need to be some different governing body to, to uh, take care of these sorts of things? Yeah, I just I I, I can't answer that. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who can answer that. You know, I mean, I know the NCAA is trying. There's a new president. And he's he's trying. Um, you know, I think if anybody has opinions on it, then they can voice them. I'm not going to get into the politics of a boy, voicing my opinion uh, when we don't have any idea what's going to happen. You know, here's the good news. You know, our our sports never been more popular. You know, and coming to these media days gets everybody excited about the actual season. I think. At this point in time, your roster is what it is. Yeah. You know, the truth of the matter is, is 
all four of the guys that I have here right now, they could leave tomorrow based on NCAA rules, which I think I think some of those rules need to need to be amended, yeah, uh, so to speak. But I think at this point, you know, you you, you kind of got your team, and let's get excited about the season. The sport's never been more popular. Uh, you know, there's never been more hype surrounding you know the the season. And once we get in season, it's it's going to be it's going to be uh, it's going to be a heck of a time, you know. So you got to focus on that, and then. Once the season's over, everybody needs to kind of assess where they're at and get back to work, and and then the 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 circus the circus starts again in in, in December. Mike Leach is obviously a good friend of yours. He uh, became a, an acquaintance of mine over the last five years. I freaking loved Mike Leach. He's a guy who was uh, on this show regularly during the off season, and I like to refer to him as the. Bill Murray of college football because he's just one of those unique dudes and everybody has at least one story about him. Do you have a favorite Mike Leach story from you guys' time together in Lubbock or otherwise? Oh, man. You know, I never read his book, um, Swing or Sword. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that one. Never, re- never read his book because I lived it. Yeah. I mean, I flat out lived it. Uh, he's going to be missed. You know, the yeah. – you know, the, 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 Ceremony in Starkville was was moving to see the amount of people that was there. Uh, the dude impacted football on all three levels, I would argue, more than any human being ever. Mm. Uh, now, you know, the old air raid is kind of, I mean, he was kind of the last one. You know, everybody else has kind of shifted a little bit, whether it's myself or, you know, Sonny Dykes or Lincoln Riley or whoever it is. Everybody's kind of shifted in a little different direction. Uh, he never, he never did, and he never wavered. Um, but to see the outcrying of support when when he passed uh, was it put things in perspective. Um, I think once uh, football starts and you you don't see him on the sidelines, that's when it's really going to strike everybody. You know, I know, um, you know, they're retire he's, they're retiring him or putting him in the Ring of Honor at Texas Tech. I was so glad to see that with right. Cliff Kingsbury with too. Cliff. Yeah. Well, you know when they're going to do that and who they're playing? They're playing Houston, and so I'm going to be on that sideline too. That's, that's going to be a that's going to be something that's going to be pretty moving. I know, you know, that was a hard exit in Lubbock, and there's there's hundreds of thousands of Red Raider fans that are going to pay tribute to him. Because it's 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 long time overdue. I mean, that's bringing tears to my eyes right yep. now, Dana. So uh, I'm I'm glad that you get to be a part of that as well in Lubbock when it happens. And last question, quick question: Can you feel it coming in the air tonight? <laughs> yeah, Phil Collins. I know I'm still hanging on up top, man. <laughs> <laughs> by 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 a couple of threads, anyway. So yeah, that's funny. Well, thank you so much for the time today, man. It's a pleasure uh, getting to speak with you, and welcome back to the conference. Appreciate you, man. Go Cougs.